years old, but she still t- stood taller than me. And uh, she's a beautiful, beautiful woman of God. She loves Jesus, passionate for the Lord. Uh, Alan uh, has the heart of God for the kingdom. He loves people. He loves this church. And he loves you. And I believe tonight God has spoken to Alan. I believe last night you had a word from God, and it moved us into the next dimension. And I told the prayer team before we prayed tonight, I said, you know, God goes from faith to faith, from glory to glory. God took us up another notch last night, but tonight we're going to go to the next notch. Amen? Come on. We're going to go to another level tonight in God. Alan Griffin, the man of God, all the way from Ormond Beach. Come on, let's stand up. Let's give Alan a great big hand tonight as he comes. Amen. Praise God. Why don't you turn that hand clap into some praise? Give the Lord some praise tonight. Hallelujah. Come on, we just came together to lift him up. I said lift him up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Stomp your right foot one time. Say, that's for the devil. Stomp your left foot and say, that's for his mama. Come on, somebody. Give your neighbor a high five and sit on, sit down real quick. Sit down real quick. <laughs> I hate the devil. He's such a punk. That's, in fact, I was at a church not long ago and I was complaining about the devil because I hate him. And, uh, somebody made me, uh, my own sweat rag that says, devil, I'll cut you. I said, you know I'm rocking that. And the first church I get to rock it at is City Church. Come on, somebody. I'm cutting people. I tried to use it Sunday. I accidentally left it in the pastor's office. So y'all, the first church that gets to see the devil, I'll cut you, towel. And every time I, I, I wipe my brow, y'all have to say, mm-hmm, ready, go. That's what I'm talking about. I want them to know it's like a secret thing. Like He knows what I'm talking about. Grab your Bible. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. I'm so excited to preach tonight. I'm also excited to bring back uh, one of your sons um, with me, Darren Williams. <laughs> I, I did steal him, and I ain't ashamed of it either. I don't care. I run up in this mud mill of nights, took the brother, chained him up, shackled him, called him Kunta, took him down the street. I ain't scared of nobody. What you going to do to me? What? Took him. And here's the cool thing. This brother is killing it. Okay? I would normally have him get up here and talk, but I'm not going to have him do it. I'm going to talk about him. To his face. Because I'm going to tell you something. When, when, when Darren, I had the pleasure of having Darren join us a year ago. Um... It's past January. Um, Derek came, and man, I'm going to tell you right now, I, I had a vision. And God gave me Derek to fulfill the vision he gave me for reaching out to orphans and to, to, to kids that are, that are not being adopted. Because everybody talks about adopt, adopt, adopt. But what happens to the people who don't get adopted? And God gave us a heart for that. And this man has spearheaded this program. That literally the Department of Children and Families for the state of Florida is coming to see us, him, because he said, how could a program explode like this? What is going on in Ormond Beach, Florida? It's crazy. 
in a month, we got Israel Houghton, T.D. Jakes, everybody named Mama coming to our church for this conference. And part of the conference, my pastor goes, I want to do the graduation. So our first graduation of Derrick students in the Accelerate program. Accelerate is a program that targets young men and women when they're about to age out of foster care. They teach them the word of God. They teach them how to be leaders and they teach them how to take care of themselves and others. And these young people are exploding in leadership ability and in the anointing of God in their life. And so what's happened is, was it March the 4th? The March the 4th night, Israel Houghton's going to be there. Everybody's going to be going crazy. My pastor's preaching. Darren's going to step up on stage and give away four cars to students that are graduating from our program. And it's going to get buck wild up in there. I had some people say to me, why you got to give cars to them? Why can't you give cars to us? Because you ain't an orphan, sucker. That's why. Only reason you ain't got no cars because you in debt. Oh snap! I didn't say that. That's the same. Everybody wants something, but they don't want to go through what it takes to get it. I'm gonna tell you right now. I'd rather take my mom and my dad, and not have to go through what these kids had to go through to get there. And I'm so grateful that Derek is with us. Not only traveling and preaching and sharing the gospel, but also training these young people. And reaching out. And so here's what we're going to do. We're right now got four cars and three of them are not running well. So here's what we're going to do. We brought T-shirts. And we're slanging these like crack cocaine. These shirts are the representation of Accelerate. Our program takes kids that are frozen where they are. And we bring them to an awareness of what God wants to do in their life. And when they accept it and they move forward, boom, they take off into a life of excellence. And so we call it accelerate. So it's red, the blood of Jesus, yellow, what's up, and green, go for God. And these kids are rocking it because of that. And when you buy these shirts, you're helping us to get these cars up and running so that in a month from now we can hand them off to these students and see their life move forward. And I'm telling you, it's powerful. We've got several churches, about eight churches all over the country that already want to run the program. And they're like, we want someone to come train us. I'm like, I can't send you, Derek. We need him right now. So, we're, we're, man, we're working it. It's been incredible. I've got books back there at the door. Get those on the Holy Spirit. Get that. I've got DVDs. This is our newest one. It looks like me. Um, it's called Bad Hair Day. I wish I was preaching that tonight, but it, it's not the message I have for you tonight. But Bad Hair Day is funny. You just going to laugh till fluids come out your face. I'm not joking. It's funny. But every message gives an opportunity for you to accept Christ and know Christ as your Lord and Savior. And, and what's really cool, if you, if you look at it, it's got every message on DVD and CD. So both versions for you snippety people. They're like, do you have it on DVD? Yes, I do. So you can get that, and uh, it'll hook you up. Every message is the Word. I'm not going to preach chicken soup for your soul. I'm preaching the Bible. So you can get that. Uh, another series back there I believe is the most powerful message God's ever given me on the anointing. You can pick that up back there when you leave. Don't miss the opportunity to share these messages with your family. We're equipping you for world domination. Amen. Amen.
Because the revival and the uprising and the awakening that is for us is not just going to happen in our services. It's going to happen at your home and in your small groups. It's going to stir in your kitchen. And your kids will be filled with the Holy Ghost at your house. Your parents will be healed when you lay your hands on them at their house. God can move when you're in your slippers at home. He's going to do supernatural things at your house. Where? At? Point at your neighbor say, at your house. Mm-hmm. Just checking. Matthew chapter 18, if you're ready, say, come on now. I'm preaching fast tonight because I drank an energy drink. Here we go. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. I don't know why I took that. I'm already ADHD. Then Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him. Up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with the servants. And two were brought to him. I'm sorry. One was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. That's a lot of money. Look at your neighbor and say, oh, snap. In today's money, that would be $250 million. $250 million. Sound like the government, doesn't it? And as he was not able to pay, the king commanded that he be thrown into prison until he should pay the debt. That man fell before the king saying, oh, king, please have mercy on me and I will pay you all. The king was moved with, was moved with compassion, released the man, forgave him the debt. Forgave him the debt. Forgave, didn't say I'll give you extra time, I'll give you an extension. Forgave him, sound just like the government. Banks. Oh, we got ourselves in financial difficulty. Government, will you bail us out? Okay. You owe your credit card company $50. They go burn your house down. This is the truth. This is in the Bible. That man's free now. And the Bible says he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 50 denarii, just a few dollars. And he took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe me, fool. That man also fell at his feet before him, saying, please, begging you, have mercy on me. Just give me some time, and I will pay you all. But he would not. Instead, he had him thrown into prison until he should pay all that was due him. When his fellow servants saw what had happened, they were grieved and ran and told their master all that had been done. And their master was angry, and he called the servant into him, and he said, you wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you begged me to. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow brother just as I had compassion on you? And the Bible says, this is really good. The Bible says the king was angry. Look at your neighbor and say angry. Mm-hmm. Y'all speak King James around here? Ticketh office. Verse 34. And delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. Verse 35, I believe, is the most powerful verse in the entire Bible. Don't show it yet. Turn that junk off. Some of y'all trying to read ahead right now. I will come down there in the name of Alan. Do not look ahead. I'm going to tell you right now. I've been reading the Bible my whole life. I was born in church, raised in church, weaned on a pew. I chewed the wood on the pew. I chewed the gum underneath the seats. I grew up in church. And my whole life, I've never been impacted more than when I read this verse when I was just a young man. 
Because there's somebody speaking right here, and it's not Peter, it's not Simon, it's not uh, Saul, it's, it's not John, it's not Nathaniel, it's none of the other people in the, that we know of in the New Testament. Who's talking? Who's telling the story? Who's the man? Who's the king? Okay, Jesus is talking. And Jesus, verse 35, you can put it up there again, don't be afraid. Jesus said, and so my heavenly Father will do to you. If each of you, from your heart, do not forgive your brother or your sister their trespasses. Now, every night this week, God is doing something spectacular and amazing. But the miracle I believe that's going to happen tonight is a bunch of y'all about to get saved. And we're about to step from getting blessed to being a blessing. We're about to move out of the realm of expectation to the realm of demarcation. That's when you say, I'm not going back to the way I used to be. Something's going to change. Something's about to be different. I'm moving towards what God has called me to be. That's what's happening tonight. It's kick the devil in his night. Right in his boo-boo. If you're ready for this, say, come on. Amen. Hold up your right hand that you're about to testify. You promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you, God. Father, we pray tonight that, Lord, the truth will be heard, nothing else. Lord, my words don't matter. Your words do. God, my words may be lies, but, Lord, your word will not lie. You do not fail. Father, I pray tonight that your word would permeate, penetrate, and transform every person in this room. Lord, I pray that we'd walk out of here rocked by your presence. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. Now, I grew up in a church, and I grew up with some major issues and problems in my life. One of the major problems in my life was that I was a pyromaniac. Are there any pyromaniacs in the room? Pyromaniacs unite. You know what I'm saying? I was a pyromaniac. I like burning things. I like blowing things up. That was the way I was. That's the way I still is. But there was a while where I got delivered from it. It's because of my mama. My mama has skills. And she had a belt. And her belt was named Deliverance. She could heal all kind of people from problems. My mom believed that everything you're going through in life can be fixed with a belt. Everything. You have a problem stealing? People, people call those sicknesses, you know. I'm a kleptomaniac. My mom could deliver you from that. She just take out her belt. You're like, hallelujah, I want to give and not take. You know, she just had skills. She could do, I mean, you have dyslexia. I can read straight. It's amazing. What can happen with deliverance is applied to your life. She set me free from pyromania. Pow! It was awesome. But long before she did that, this is spiritual, long before she did that, I demonstrated my skills in a horrible way. She had a neighbor named Drew. And uh, he and I used to go into this little field next to my house. It was a really nice gravel parking lot. It was, we called it a field, but it really was just a gravel parking lot with a big fence around it with a bunch of signs on the, you know, the thing that said, no. <laughs> That's the title of my message. And it was funny because I would always, with him, climb the fence and go into the field, and we would play and play soccer, play kickball, play football, whatever we could do, you know. And this one day, it was just he and I, and we had nothing to do. And he reached in his pocket, and he took out black cat firecrackers. Oh, Shaka Khan. 
black cat firecrackers are the, there's a hierarchy of firecrackers, okay? There's the cheap ones, you know, the cheap, you know, the cheap ones. They don't have any English on labels, like, da, 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 da. Nobody understands it, okay? And you light those, and they almost none of them pop. You'd be like, pop, pop, pop. Pop. And then you're like, dang. I wasted my money. Then, if you buy the next level of firecrackers, they got a little bit of English on the label. It's like, dunga, 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 pow. You know, so you know you're going to get a little bit more performance out of these. Pop, 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 your mama pop. That's how it works with those, okay? They're just almost good. But if you buy black cat firecrackers, that's a whole nother level. And nearly every one you light will pop. You light those and they pop cocky. Pop, 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 pop. I mean, those things pop, baby. They whoa, pop, 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 pop. I may be riding a donkey, pop, ride the donkey, ride the. It'd be crazy. Those things are serious. And so he pulled those out. We started lighting them. It was fun. Pop. <laughs> Light another one. Pop. <laughs> Light two. Pop, pop. <laughs> It was a great day. And then Drew reached in his other back pocket and pulled out bottle rockets. Oh, gloria de Dios. Anything that flies and explodes, that comes from Jesus. That's just Jesus. And so we stuck him in the ground. We lit it. Pop. <laughs> Do two. Pop, pop. <laughs> it was awesome. And then we had an epiphany. We're going to make a grand finale. What's a grand finale? When you take all the rest of your remaining fireworks at the end of a, a fireworks display and you shoot them all off with great pomp and circumstance and they have music and, and, and it's crazy and everyone's cheering and screaming and we wanted to create that, you know? You ever been to a grand finale? It's like... We want to do this. So we use, this is spiritual, we have used mathematic equations, geometry, calculus, trigonometry, all kinds of metries, and we used duct tape. And we strung these fireworks out, and we used that one fuse that runs through the whole brick of firecrackers, and we ran it through all the fireworks. We stuck it in a PVC pipe. Boom. What are you going to do? I ain't doing nothing. You do it. I ain't doing nothing, man. You go. Okay. Like this. Oh. Ah. Whoosh. Whoosh. Pop, 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 pop. Whoosh. Pop, 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 pop. It was awesome. And then all of a sudden it fell to the earth. No man, why are we whispering? I don't want it to hear us. Well, I did it last time. You go this time. No, oh man, we're gonna do it the right way. Here we go. What's that? 
That's dynamite, fool. You lose. You lose. I hate you. It was my turn now. And I walk over there, and it's just, it's just precious. I think everything is going to be okay. Pop, 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 pop. Ah! 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 I'm running for my life. This dog is chasing me. It's skittering across the ground right towards me. It hits a rock. It starts flying through the air. It's headed for my face, man. My face. Drew pushes me out of the way. It goes into a garbage dumpster, and the rest of the fireworks go off. Boom, 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 boom. All the brothers in the neighborhood are like, get down, son. They're shooting. They're shooting. White boy's up there like, what's going on, brother? Let's go see. Get down here, white boy. They're shooting at us. I did a drive-by with a garbage can and some firecrackers. All of a sudden, we hear a noise from a screen door. We look at each other. No! Miss Gentry, run! Miss Gentry was our neighbor. This woman was evil. She was a town gossip. She knew everybody's business. I got so many whoopings because of that lady. And I didn't like her. And I really didn't like her dog. She had this ugly dog named Puppy. It's a big old ugly dog. It smelled weird. Had no teeth. Had like mites and bites and all kinds of junk in it. It had no teeth. It used to bark like this. Roof. Roof. Hey, that stupid dog. It bite me and slobber all over. Hey, that dog. She came out the house. I was like, oh, no, she's going to see us. My mama going to kill us. And so we started running. Now, meanwhile, while we were running, the dumpster got hot. And it got hotter. And it got hottest. And it got hotter. And then we caught fire. Now, the lid melted. It started spitting fire. Now, if we would only, by the time we got to the fence, we realized kind of why. Jump the fence, you know. He's skinny. He went right through the chain link. I was kind of fat, so I'm, you know, trying to climb. And I'm not going up. The fence is coming down, you know. And I'm like, help me! Drew's like, you on your own, sucker. Peace. It's like, I'm going to kill you later, man. And while I was pulling the fence down, I saw the sign again. It said, no. No trespassing. On the bottom, I never really paid attention. On the bottom, it says Sherman Williams. Sherman Williams, dog. That thing was full of samples of paint. The whole thing was, it was so hot. The dumpster like malformed and it was spitting. The gravel was on fire. When you catch gravel on fire, that's hot. That's hell hot. That's Jamaican hot. I ran the house. Now, in the house was my mama. My mama crazy. You don't mess with my mama. And um, and so you don't just run up on your mom and say wrong things. You got to frame your words correctly. So I ran in the house. I said, Mama, there's a fire in the field. Call the fire department. My mom was watching. She goes, what happened? I said, I don't know. She said, you call them. My hands are wet. I was like, really? I got to call the fire department? I mean, I called a hundred times and never with permission. Hello, 911. What's your emergency? Y'all need to come quick. There's a fire in the field. Everything's burning. The gravel's on fire. Come quick. Hey, by the way, could you bring one of those dogs with spots on it? Those are cool. Bye. Click. Now, it took them 25, 30 minutes to figure out where we were. 
And by the time they got there, it was raging out of control. This is spiritual. You'll see it in a minute. Raging out of control, this fire. It was crazy. It was so bad, they came with big foam guns. They didn't even use water. They said water wouldn't work. They used foam. And before any of us knew what that was, we're like, dude, that's cool. You know, because that's right when gel was out, you know, just kind of coming out with her hair gel. And then they were just starting to use foam in women's hair. Some of y'all old enough to remember that. Grown folk, you know what I'm talking about. They, VO5, like, it's foamy, like, and put spikes in your hair and spikes on the side. So a big canister of foam, that was awesome. So they're shooting the phone. And I'm standing next to him like, where's the dog? Puppy's like, Roof. shut up, puppy. Stupid little no teeth having mutt. Right about that time. Well, let me, let me share a little something here. Um, pyromaniacs, where are you? Just go, hey. Hey, can I teach you something real quick? Whenever you start a fire, don't stick around and watch it burn. Because what had happened was the fire people, they are trained to look for the mother of the blaze. And the, the parent of the blaze is usually at the blaze. And it's real easy. I mean, I don't even have to be trained to know who started it. Because if you look through the crowd, you're talking about a fire that's burning gravel. Normal people are looking at it not like pyromaniacs are looking at it. Okay? The fire is like this. <sighs> I will eat you. Normal people are looking at the fire like this. No, don't eat me. I don't want to be eaten. I, do you want to, I don't want to be eaten. No. Pyromaniacs are looking at the fire like this. Fire, I want your children. It's kind of like when a woman has a baby and you go visit a woman in the hospital. And she has that ugly little baby. You know the truth. That baby looked like a little E.T. I got two. I was there. Them babies came out. I was like, dang. That's an ugly baby. Is that mine? Girl, tell the truth. Where'd that thing come from? And my wife's holding it like this. And the baby's like, milk. You know, this is messed up. That's how I was looking at the fire. Everybody else is like, I'm like this. Right about that time, my mom goes, does anybody know? This is spiritual. Does anybody know how that fire started? And Miss Gentry goes, well, I don't know how it started. I saw your boy and that cross boy in the field over here playing with some fireworks. I know it wasn't no spontaneous combustible. I was like, combusto, it's combustion, you old back. Combust. When I woke up, my mom was tearing my butt up. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about because your mama whoops you. Okay, I'm getting to go to no corner for time out. My mama beat us. That's just how it is. She loves me. She still loves me. And she'll still beat me today. My parents whoop us. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about because you got either ghetto mama or country mama in your life. Ghetto mama and country mama cousins. They treat everybody the same. Whoop them. Their favorite scriptures, beat them. They won't die. My mom was tearing my butt up. She had that little miniature trampoline. We called it a, a ghetto treadmill. And she couldn't reach the bed, so she stood on the treadmill, and she's jumping, hitting me with the belt. 
And she's getting like a workout while she's doing it. I told you not to go in the field. It's messed up. I'm on the bed like, ow, 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 ow. Mama, jump on it, jump on it. That's not true. But it's funny. Country people, you know the truth, too. Your mama does the same thing. She may not jump on a, jump on a, a miniature trampoline, and she might sing a different song, but it's the same result. She'd be like singing like, I told you not to go in the field. And you'd be like, what hurts the most is being so close. <laughs> same results, just a different song. This is spiritual, you'll see. See, I believe that my gift to the church is humor. In the next 10, 15 minutes, we're going to go so deep, you're going to be amazed at how quickly we do it. But i got to take you there only one way, laughing. The Bible says laughter does good like medicine, and by the time we're done in the next couple of minutes, you're going to look at your and go, I got medicated tonight, y'all. I'm on something. All I know is this, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And if you need some strength tonight, somebody say hallelujah. Man, I've got to use laughter to deal with one of the hardest messages I've ever had to preach. I hate this message. Because this message is all about that sign that was on the fence. The sign said no, said no trespassing. Keep out, stay back. And you know what I've discovered in my life? I've discovered in my life that there's so many times in my life where I walk around with that sign. And some of us in here are walking around it with it right now. It's on your forehead. It's in your spirit. It's in your life. It's a sign that says stay back, keep out, no trespassing. And you know how you get it? Hurt. You know how you get it? Rejection. You know how you get it? Pain. Peter says to Jesus, Jesus, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Do I forgive him seven times? Everybody picks on Simon. Everybody picks on, I don't know why. He denied Jesus. You would too. If they chopping people's heads off like those old school scary left behind movies, you'd be denying everybody. I don't even know who that fool is. Shoot. You deny, I mean, I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. If it's life and death, man, it, I really have to be on my P's and Q's that day. And Simon had days where he wasn't good and days where he was amazing. He learned from his mistakes. And what I love about Simon is he's the honest guy. Everybody else is just sitting back thinking it. Simon said it. That's why we have a game called Simon. I'm just saying. That's what I'm saying. I'm just, I just think that's why it showed up because Simon would just, he would just say it. When Simon goes, if my brother sins against me, do I forgive him seven times? Now, in Hebrew custom, if somebody sinned against you three times, you have the right to excommunicate him. Cut him off, not talk to him anymore. So when he went to seven, that was a spiritual thing. He was actually going above and beyond the call of duty. He really was. And Jesus says, oh, no, 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 no. I got a whole other dimension. See, you think the kingdom's like this, but the kingdom's really like that. And Jesus says, man, you think forgiving them seven times is good? No, no, no. See, I know you, Peter. You're going to remember what they did to you. And seven times won't do. You got to forgive them 490 times. And then Jesus says, when they trespass. It's good. Peter's word for sin is, the, is this really cool. It's, it's, it's actually a, a shortened version. And it's this word, parapipto. 
And it means a side slip, a lapse, a deviation, an unintentional error, a mistake. You're walking down the hallway, somebody trips you. <laughs> I forgive you, man. I know. And every day they do it. <laughs> Dude, every day you do this. You got big feet or something. Okay. Now, in our country, we ain't even as good as the Jews. The Jews are like, you can go three times. In our culture, we say, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. We won't even forgive you twice before we start trying to cut a fool. Don't act like you don't. The Bible says that Jesus says, no, 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 490. When you forgive your brother, he says, their trespasses, periptoma. It's the word that encompasses peripipto, but also everything else. Okay? That means a side slip, a lapse, a deviation, but it means an unintentional or a willful transgression to fall, to fall, to offend, to sin against, to apostatize. All the way to the unpardonable sin, all the way down to the smallest white lie. Why the lie's got to be white? Why can't it be black? Black's good too. From the smallest little black lie. All the way up to the biggest white lie. Forget you, Spanish people. The caramel lie to the dulce de leche lie. Looking at me like that. Watching you. Who's cooking pernil? I'm in. I'm just saying. I love you. Every kind. He encompassed every kind of sinning. Every kind of hurt. Every kind of rejection. This is awesome. But it also stinks. You know why? Because people hurt me, and they don't deserve to be forgiven, in my opinion. People do me wrong, and you know what? I get mad. And it's not your fault all the time, man. People do stuff to us. And see, what I, the way I can explain it is this. Some of you have been done wrong before. That's parapipto. And many of us in this room have also been done dirty. Paraptoma. Jesus says forgive them both. How many of you in this room have been done wrong before? Raise your hand. Mm-hmm. Me too. How many have been done Dirty, raise your hand. Some people are like, what does that mean? It's when somebody planned to hurt you. Somebody schemed to hurt you. They didn't just sit back and it was a mistake. It was no mistake. They meant to do it. They thought about it, strategized it, and typed it out in an email or sent it in a text message. Or even worse, they tweeted it to the whole Twitterverse. They meant to do it. What do we do with that? You know what I used to do? And sometimes it tries to come back. You're like, well, well, what is this, an awakening? No, no, no. See, an awakening is bringing people to an understanding of where they were while they were asleep. When you wake somebody, what you do is you wake them up, and then you have them turn and look at where they were. Because that's where I used to be. I didn't forgive people. And when people hurt me, I would put up a sign that said, no trespassing. Keep out. And you know what I did? Just like the Bible. Jesus says, and if you don't forgive your neighbor, God will throw you into prison and torture you. I'm like, come on, Jesus, seriously? You mean somebody tries to steal my wife? Somebody beat on my kids? And I got to forgive them? I didn't do anything. Oh, oh, hold up. You're talking about somebody rams into my car because they're on their phone. I got to forgive them, and if I don't forgive them, I go to jail and I get tortured by God? This is a messed up Bible. Where did this Bible come from? That's why I'm being so funny. A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Because this is hard. I don't want to forgive people. I hate, I don't even like this mess. I'm going to throw this junk away. It's the first greatest lesson I've ever learned in my life. It really is. 
Because I used to put people in prison. I thought I was putting them in prison. You know, I'd like take those people and I'd be like, I forgive you, but I'll never forget. And I'd have my little voodoo doll, my emotional voodoo doll. And I wouldn't really do anything to you. I would just think evil for you. I hate that dude. I hope bad things happen to him. Oh, his wife left him? I'm not happy. Oh, he wrecked his car? How sad. He's like, I'm like. And I would poke them and prick them and, 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 and in my mind hurt them. And I would never pray for them. That's how you know you don't forgive somebody, when you never pray good things over them. See, when, when, you, when you church folk, when we family, you know what we do? We talk dirt about each other. But you know what else we do? We pray for each other. And the dirt we say about you, we'll say it to your face. That's the family. That's the difference between family and everybody else. We're family. If we have a problem with you, we will tell you we have a problem with you. But we still love you, and we're going to stay with you. We're not leaving you. But when you don't love somebody, it's when you say this, I'm going to stay away from them. In fact, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put you in prison, a mental prison. I'm going to lock you up, and I'm going to torture you because I don't want you in my life. You know what? It's, it's really uh, the exact opposite of what God does. See, we think we put people in prison in our mind to protect ourselves. You know, I'm keeping you out of my life. I don't want you to hurt me anymore. But what we're really doing is keeping bad people away. No, we're keeping good people away. And the prison we're in is a torturous prison. A prison, a prison of unforgiveness where we say, you know what? I, 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 I kind of forgive you, but I just don't want to be near you. That's divorce. It's not the kingdom. I've lived there. I've been in prison before. Not a physical prison. I wouldn't last two minutes. I look way too good. Thank you. Holy Spirit fingers. It's true. I I look good. (laughs) Lots of prisoners have told me that. That's messed up. It's just a rough night, isn't it? Some of y'all came in here tired tonight. You got some energy now, huh? Good. Because what we have to do requires a little bit of energy. I would put them in prison, man. I thought that I was shutting them out. You know, we, we built prisons a long time ago. Not to keep bad people in, but actually to keep good people out. Because imagine if somebody, uh, you know, and I don't want to be frivolous with this, but let, imagine if somebody sexually abused your children. What would it take to keep you from exacting your revenge? Some big walls, some chains, some shackles, the lack of an acetylene torch anywhere in the entire universe. I mean, and so we built prisons, even in our country, we built prisons to keep the bad people protected from the good people until we can have a fair trial okay and that's what we do we lock ourselves up in a prison of our own devices and we think that we're keeping bad people from hurting us but the truth is we're keeping good people from ever coming in contact with us and we shut people out and we say no trespassing you remind me of the person that hurt me you remind me of the person who did me wrong i can't hang out with you i was in prison once uh, with the same prison i'm talking about I remember I had just met my, my wife now, my future wife. She was 
the most wonderful and most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. And I remember going, dude, I'm going to marry this girl. This is awesome. God, if you can make women that hot, I'm sticking with you. And I landed in Seattle, Washington. I was driving up to her parents' house and to pick her up. <clears throat> and I stopped at the South Center Mall, a store called the Bon Marche. I walked through that store. And I was actually going to the mall to go to a cheaper store to buy something. And, uh, but I walked through that store, and I smelled it. And after I smelled it, the rest of my day changed. By the time I drove to her parents' house, I was angry, full-on rage, driving down the 405, honking my horn. Eh, eh, get out of my way, fool. I hate everybody. And, dude, when you honk your horn at people from the Pacific Northwest, that's like shooting a gun at them. Them people so soft, they're like, ah, he honked his horn at me. <laughs> Call on the trees for love. I mean, it was just crazy. I'm in rage mode, dude. I'm driving like a maniac. I get to her house. I slam my car door, and that's what woke me up because I never slammed my door. I liked my car, and, and I'm a kind of car, 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 I'm a car guy, you know? And I slam it. I'm like, I'm, I just slam like, what's going on? And I got back in my car, and I had to think all the way back to the store when I smelled perfume. The perfume reminded me of a woman when I was 10 years old in my church. I might have been even a little younger, maybe nine. And I was playing with matchbox cars in the hallway of my church. My dad was a pastor. We'd, he'd retired from the Air Force, 26 years, master sergeant. I was born in Wiesbaden, West Germany. My whole life was given to the military. And then when he retired, my, da- my whole rest of my life was given to the church. My dad went and got a master's degree in divinity. But we began to pastor an urban ghetto Baptist church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And I remember, what? Y'all from Grand Rapids? Okay, just checking. That was back in the Elder Barge days. All this love is waiting for you. He is not Latin. That boy is as as black and as white as it comes. His mama white, his daddy black. He is caramel with a high voice. My brothers used to sell him dope. (laughs) That's how messed up we were. And I remember what? It's true. He lived on Logan Street. It was one street down from me. The field was there. His house was like boop, boop. His sister's name was Bunny. She was fine. His brother Chico married Janet Jackson. That's, that's how it happened. And I didn't. Just saying. And I remember... Like, like, man, like, like it was yesterday. I, I went back in my mind to that church, and I'm playing with my car, and this woman's around the corner with another woman, and, and she's complaining about my dad. And she said, oh, yeah, man, Herb Griffin, he's a terrible leader. He's not a good pastor. He can barely preach. He's boring. My dad was a boring preacher. But in my, and he's not, he's not good for this church. This church would be a lot further along if Herb Griffin wasn't the pastor. We'd be doing so much better if old Stylin Washington would come back. And she's complaining and complaining and complaining. And I'm getting angrier and angrier and angrier. I'm just 8 or 9, 10 years old. And I'm around the corner playing with those matchboxes. And I'm ticked off. You know why? Because I knew, even at that young age, what we had given up, what, what I perceived as giving up for the kingdom of God and for that church. Man, we were in the military. My dad was, was, was almost a senior enlisted man. We were rocking it. We were living good. We had four cars and only two drivers in the house. We were kicking it. And when my dad retired, he wasn't getting his retirement money right off the bat. We worked in a ghetto. We made nothing. The house I grew up in cost $4,000, and we were making payments on it. We were broke as a joke. I remember going two or three weeks eating soybeans. We'd go to the farmer's market, get a 40-pound bag of soybeans for six bucks, and live on that for several weeks. We 
had nothing. We went from what seemed to be opulence to a nine-year-old kid, to poverty to a nine-year-old kid. I had hand-me-downs from other people's hand-me-downs. It was messed up. I had more patches on my pants than pants. And I'm playing with this matchbox car that I'd gotten for a birthday present. And, man, I was holding on to that big thing with all I had. And this woman's complaining about my dad. And I remember being so angry. And being like, that stupid woman has no idea. Young kids, don't say the word stupid, but that's what I was thinking. My little ghetto brain back then. I was saying, that stupid woman has no idea what I've been through and what our family's been through. Two of my brothers went off into drug dealing. Both of them served six or seven years in prison. Both of them lives were lost and failed and messed up until just several years ago when Christ got a hold of them. But there's a 15-year window where I lost contact with my own family. Why? Because we'd moved into a city and we let the spirit of the city overwhelm the Holy Spirit in our house. Why do I want to equip your house so that the spirit of the city doesn't overcome you? We're awakening you so that the spirit of the city will be subject to the spirit of the Holy God inside of you. Your children will not be what the world wants them to be. We contend with the things that contend against you. And I remember being so angry and so hurt I was nine. At this point, I'm 23. I was in prison. I was being tortured. And some of you go, oh, man, that's nothing. You should hear my story. No, hold on. Because everybody's story might just have the same result. See, my problem was this. I had put a sign up that said, no trespassing. And on the bottom, it had the reason why. It wasn't Sherman Williams. The bottom said, you remind me of someone who hurt me. You remind me of a woman. If you wear this perfume, I can't smell you. And you know what? You may think that's trivial, but it's not. Because every one of you, there's a place in the city that reminds you of some pain. There's a a color of paint that reminds you of pain. There's a song on the radio that reminds you of pain. There's a look of a person. And if you see someone that even looks like them, something streaks through your heart of pain. Because you remember the person that did you wrong. You remember the person that did you dirty. You did not forget what happened to you. As a human, it's almost impossible to forget. Nearly impossible to forgive. And so we walk around and we say, stay back, keep out, no trespassing. You remind me of the hurt. You remind me of the pain. I can't talk to you white people. I've been hurt by white people. I can't talk to you black people. I've been hurt by you. I can't so goofy to me. I'm not belittling racism. I'm describing it and defining it for you. Racism is taking on someone else's offenses that never, ever hurt you once. Watch it on TV. All those black people are crazy. All those white people, they're out of control. Then we run around in fear. I was afraid of white people, man. I really was. Because I've been hurt by them before. But how does that one idiot represent the entire white race? And you know what's interesting? 99% of the people that hurt you look just like you. If you're going to be afraid of anybody, be scared of people your color. If you're going to get shot and you white, guess who's going to shoot you? White people. Now you're like, oh, snap. Mm, stay back, fool. If you black, who's going to shoot you? Black people. People get all mad about this case over here. Let me tell you something. Black people been shooting each other for years. And white people, y'all been busting caps and stabbing each other for years. It's a crime. It doesn't matter the color. 
I don't care if it's a black person that shot me. I got shot, fool. I'm just saying. Sick of racism. Sick of that garbage. It almost destroyed my ministry. I was so afraid and so hurt. I couldn't love white people. 15 years old, angry. 16 years old, angry. And they didn't do nothing to me. Just a couple of idiots. Just a couple. And it wasn't for a white youth pastor. Looked just like Glenn. I mean, no joke. Athlete, just like you played for Michigan State University for Judd Heathcote. I mean, you're like twins. Holy Ghost, that brother. Jeff Grinnell. Wrapped his arms around me and prophesied into my life. And he said, I love you. Changed my life. I didn't know I was called. The majority of the people I preached to in my life would be white. I didn't realize at that time that I would preach to hundreds of thousands of students every year in public school assemblies, and most of them would be white. I didn't realize that a little ghetto kid from Grand Rapids would be a missionary to white people. I never thought that. Because the enemy wants to assassinate your assignment. And he's going to attack you in the very place that you're called to. If you're being attacked in a certain area, know that you're probably called to that area. It's crazy. The disciples were called to who? Jews. And Gentiles. The Jews, the ones who killed Jesus, and the Romans, the ones who helped. They were called to them. But what did they do? The Bible says they went in a room, John chapter 19. They closed the door and were hiding. For fear of the Jews. Hiding. Jesus had already risen from the dead. Mary came running in. He's alive. They're like, I don't care. Close the door. And they're in there hiding because they're afraid that they're going to get killed like Jesus. They're going to get maimed and mistreated like Jesus. They're going to get mutilated like Jesus. They were so afraid they're locked in a room. They were in prison before they ever saw bars. And they said, don't come in. We're scared of you. We're afraid of you. Don't hurt us. We ain't going out like Jesus. The Bible says Jesus has to walk through the wall because the door is locked. And he walks in and he says, peace be unto you. That's how I know Jesus is black. And he says, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone their sins, their sins are forgiven. But if you do not forgive their sins, their sins are not forgiven. Let me wrap this up. You know what Jesus was saying? I've been preaching so long. I've preached that verse wrong. (laughs) And I think I now preach it right. That's how long I've been preaching. I've been preaching for 21 years. I know I don't look that old. When I say my age, everybody goes, oh, I'm 40 now. <laughs> 21 years I've been preaching the gospel. Full time. As my only source of income. And I can tell you, that this scene is my life. Locked up in the room, Jesus says this. If you don't forgive the people that hurt you, you're never going to leave this room. And if you never leave the room, the world goes to hell. If you don't forgive the people that are going to hurt you, you'll never leave this room. And if you don't leave this room, the world will go to hell. And if you don't forgive the people that hurt me, 
You'll never leave this room. And if you don't leave this room, the room will go to, the whole world will go to hell. You see, those are the only people that knew the life of Jesus Christ. And had they never left that room, we would be in hell. Complete and utter and total chaos. But they had to forgive the people that hurt Jesus. That's the sins that other people commit against you and your friends. And, and some of you in this room, I'm going to be real with y'all. I, I got to hurry up. But, but, man, you've taken on too many offenses that other people have committed against people you love. And there's no way you can be healed from that because the people that hurt you didn't know they did it. You've taken on offenses from someone else. Some of you take on offenses by watching the news. Stop watching the news. You don't need to know. Does the Bible say, watch CNN? You don't need it, man. They're going to make you angry. That's all they do is make you mad. I watch it periodically, but even when I watch this a little bit, I get mad. So I just have to tone it down. Watch cartoons. Don't take on the offenses that other people have, have done to other people, man. Man, if anything, it should cause you to pray. They were hurt by Jesus' inflictors. And then the people that had already hurt them. If you don't forgive them, you know what you're going to do? You're going to walk around and say, hey, you remind me of the uncle that physically abused me. I can't talk to you. You remind me of that man. And that man has to go to hell now because no one else has been assigned to him to share the gospel with him. You are the one. We need to stop acting like there's ten opportunities for everybody to get saved. There's not. Oh, I can't talk to you, girl. I smelled you. And, and you, you remind me of my, 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 my aunt. And my aunt did me wrong. And I, I, I can't. Oh, bad memories. And you're saying, well, I never do that. Yes, you do. Yes, I do. Because the rest of that day, I don't remember what happened. All I remember is I smelled it. And from that moment on, I pulled back into myself. I pulled back into a prison, a cocoon of my own devices, a cocoon of selfishness, where I walked around thinking about myself all day long. How many of us in this room, the offering plate went by and all we thought about was how much we didn't have instead of thinking, there's a man in a church, the biggest church in an entire country, that's living on six bucks today. Because we put ourselves in a cocoon of selfishness and we walk around all day. That's why the world doesn't know Jesus yet. Because we haven't forgiven ourselves and others for the things that have happened, the things that we've done. And if we don't do it, our whole day is consumed with us. But when you forgive you and you forgive others, and you forgive not only those who've hurt you, those who've hurt your friends, but those who you know are about to hurt you. Because everybody in here has a sixth and a seventh sense about the people that we meet that we know stink and they're going to hurt us. And if we block them out before they even do it, how are they ever going to know Jesus? You know they're a jerk when you meet them. What I've discovered in my life is Jesus, he's the door. In fact, I'm going to create a door right here. Here's the door. I'm going to put it right here so I don't have to leave the stage. Here's the door. And every door has a mat. And what Jesus wants you to do is kick that rubber mat out of there. It says, welcome. And he wants us to lay our bodies down right there. Jesus says, I am the door. If any man knocks, he says, I'll open the door. And I'll show you great and mighty things that you don't know anything about. He'll show you salvation and a life of excellence and a life of freedom. But the only way they're going to get to the door is if you make them welcome. 
And guess what? They're going to walk on me when they get to the door. They're going to step on me to find the door. Sometimes they're going to wipe their dirt on me, their anger on me, their hurt on me. They're going to reject me. They're going to do me dirty. They're going to walk all over me. But if we just lay there and say, hey, baby, I don't care what you do to me. As long as you get to the door, everything's going to be okay. You can hurt me, stab me, shoot me, beat me. You can talk about me like a dog, but I've got to get you to the door. If you get to the door, the world will know Jesus. If you get them to that door, the world will not be the same. If you lay your life down and say, I'm worth nothing, find the door. The wounds of a friend are faithful. They're going to follow you when they strike and you don't strike back. And you don't pull back. And you don't hold back. But you just love back. Will you bow your heads for just a moment? How long? 46 minutes. Maybe you're in this room right now and you say, Alan, I'm in prison. I don't want to be in prison anymore. I want out. I've been hurt. I've been done wrong. I've been done dirty. And I'm done. I want to be free. And I want to help other people get free. Tonight, I want you to hear this. Salvation has come to your house tonight. Because we can't even call ourselves a Christian and live and and, and operate in an unforgiving spirit. It's not possible. It's impossible. But His grace is sufficient for us. If you're in this room and you say, Preacher, I've been done wrong. I've been done dirty. And you know what, brother? I haven't forgiven them. But tonight, I need God's help. Will you pray that God will give me the strength to forgive those who've done me wrong and forgive those who've hurt me and forgive those who've maliciously treated me? If you're in this room and that's you and I count to three, all I want you to do is raise your hand. I'm not going to make you do anything crazy at this moment. I just want you to raise your hand. And once you put it up, you can put it right back down. We're going to pray for you for the strength of God to come over you. Are you ready? One, two, three. Lift it up right now. Once you put it up, church, you can put it right back down. Is there anyone else? You say, man, I need that strength. Pray for me. Go ahead and throw it up. Yeah. 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 Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I've been talking, man. It's been coming to your mind, hasn't it? Some of you have words that were spoken over you at seven, eight years old, and you remember it. I remembered it. I remembered it. I remember the name of the perfume. Maybe you're in this room tonight. You say, preacher, you know what? My relationship with God is not even right. I'm not living right, preacher. I need forgiveness tonight. I I know I need to forgive people, but the truth is I need to be forgiven because I've got sin and failures that have kept me from having the relationship with God I'm supposed to have. I'm talking to people tonight who you don't have a relationship with Christ. You're not living for God. And you're in this room right now. We love you. God is so in love with you. It's crazy. And he's set up this opportunity for us to pray. If that's you, when I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. And we're going to pray for you first. Because God loves you. In fact, he sent a big fat black man to lay down on the stage and act a complete fool just for you. The rest of y'all, collateral damage. 
Are you ready? You said, man, my relationship with God's not right. I need, I need to start a relationship with him. That's me. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. Are you ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Lift it up right now. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yes. Yes. Anyone else? Yeah. Yes, sir. That's why I came here. I drove 38 miles. Thank God for cars. How long would that take Jesus on a donkey? See what God's done? Is there anyone else? You say, man, I need that prayer. Anyone else? Yes, little buddy. I see you. Anyone else? Amen. Will you stand up on your feet? Everyone standing. This is a choose-your-own-adventure tonight. I say that because some of you are grown folk like me, and you had those choose-your-own-adventure books when you were a kid, where you'd read like a chapter, and then it'd say, what do you want to do next? And you'd pick, and then you'd skip to the page for what you did. That's what tonight is. Not everybody in here is struggling in our relationship with Jesus, but nearly everybody in here is struggling to have a good relationship with somebody. And tonight, it's really simple. It's, it's not super deep. You don't even have to use your brain like you thought you would. Tonight, is really simple. We're going to have God give us strength to forgive. And we're going to live in a spirit of forgiveness from this moment on. Now, there's something I need you to do. In a moment, I'm going to lead you in a prescription for forgiveness. It's a drug I'm giving you. It's a spiritual prescription, okay? Not physical, spiritual prescription. It works for everybody. The, the FDC will not come against me for giving it to everybody. I'm a doctor. It will work for you here. It will work for you out there. So what I want you to do is, if you've got kids in kids' church, I'm going to give you three minutes. If you try to leave this parking lot and not come back in here for the prescription, okay, the whole reason you're here tonight is this prescription. And it's only going to take about 10 minutes. Okay? The Lord spoke to me earlier today when I was talking with Pastor that tonight would not be an all-night affair. I'm just telling you that right off the bat. I'm not telling the Holy Spirit he can't do what he wants. I'm telling you that what the Holy Spirit wants to do will not have to take all night unless you stubborn as a mule. Okay? It's true. I know. Are you ready? You got kids in kids' church? Go get them and bring them back. Do not leave your kids in that room. Ready? One, two, three, go. My, my brother's going to play. We're going to sing. Come up here, Pastor. We're going to sing together. While they go and come back, I'm going to give you all three minutes. At 9.02, we're starting. Okay? It will only take about 10 or 15 minutes. You ready? Let's worship, Doc. Come on, worship team. If you absolutely have to leave, 9.15 is when you get to leave. I'm holding you hostage. Hostage. Go. Lord, we worship you. We worship yeah. you. So your presence. Your presence. It is heaven. It's heaven to me. Come on, just two more minutes. We're going to worship him. Just two more minutes. Come on. Oh, God. Your presence is heaven to me. 
Tell on yourself. Lord, I've been lying so much, man. God, I've been looking at the wrong things on the internet. Lord, I've been entertaining fools and putting things in front of my eyes that should not be there. Lord, I watched that, that Super Bowl and Beyonce was looking all good and, and, and Lord, I, the lust was right there. L- Lord, I've been, I've, been, I've been messing around, God, and, and, and getting back into drinking and, and Lord, I've been tell him everything. Don't hold back on him. He already knows. Be honest. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Keep going. Keep going. You got time. Keep playing, y'all. Don't make it quiet. I don't want to hear our, our neighbor to hear us. I just want God to hear us. Use your mouth and talk to him. Don't make God read your mind. Faith is to speak it. So use your mouth to speak the truth. Ten more seconds. Yeah. Tell on yourself. Yeah. Five. Four. Three. Now look at me real quick. Do you know why I have one son that is too dumb to lie? You know why? Because he's the son who believes he's my friend. My youngest, for some reason, doesn't believe I'm his friend. And that means that I've got to spend more time with him so that he understands that he can always tell daddy the truth. Our Father always wants to spend time with you. But if you're not going to be honest, it's going to be so hard to communicate with Him. Because He's like, just tell me. I love you. I mean, think about it. You can get spanked. They can even try to kill you, but they can't eat you. God loves you. Stop being so scared to tell Him who you are and what you've done. Now I want you just to raise your hands up shoulder high and just say, Lord, please forgive me. Just ask him. Say it one more time. Say, Lord, I need forgiveness. Please forgive me, Jesus. The Bible says if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That means the things you remembered to confess and the things you didn't. You're forgiven. Now it's time to flip the script. Put both your hands over your heart right now. This is where it's going to happen. And I want you to be very truthful now. And I want you to tell daddy who hurt you. Who hurt you? Who did you wrong? Who did you dirty? If you're in this room and you you didn't have a relationship with Christ until we prayed that prayer and you just began it now, you can talk to Christ like you've known him a hundred years. And I want you just to open your mouth and talk to God and tell him who hurt you. Tell daddy where it hurts. Tell him their names. Name them. Okay, ready? One, two, three, go. Open your mouth and talk to God. You don't have to yell it, just whisper. You can talk as quietly as you want or as loud as you want. But tell them what happened. Tell them what they said about you. Tell them what they did. Talk to them about the pains of your heart and your life. Tell them the, the, the anger that you've had. Talk, talk to them. I'll give you a couple of minutes. Go ahead. team is going to sing. I don't want you to sing. I want you to talk to God. Let them sing. You talk to God. They sing. Go ahead.
a man in this room your mama mistreated you so bad you felt like she took your masculinity she took your manhood from you there's a woman in your life it might not even have been your mama who abused you so bad you feel like she took your manhood i want you to know tonight that as you confess that to the lord his healing will flow through your life and the residual effects of that that mistreatment it, it used to ripple through your life like a puddle in a pond but the lord says that he has placed his embankment in other words the bible says he has raised up a standard and that wall he is putting up is a wall of protection over your destiny and he's guiding you into wisdom and he's guiding you into a life of man of manliness and power and your family and your children that are to come and your life that you have will never be the same God is blessing you. Don't be afraid. Don't be intimidated. God is on your side. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Keep talking. You got a, a minute and 30 seconds. Keep going. Treasure of my heart and of my soul. Jesus. my weakness, you are mercy. Tell them everything. Take your antenna. It's your hands. Put them up again. I use this prescription at home, y'all. I had to use it just a couple of weeks ago. The spiritual authority in my life came down on me hard. And I felt it was unjustified. And I had to walk through my little room, <laughs> put my hands up and go, Jesus, it's not fair. And Jesus goes, I know. But it wasn't fair when he took those nails from me. And if he can forgive when he did nothing wrong, then i got to be able to forgive. So I said, Lord, give me your strength. The strength you have that kept you on the cross. You could have jumped off, man. Why'd you stay up there? Power. And that's the kind of power he's going to give you right now. And all you got to do is ask. So you hold those hands up and you say, Jesus, I need power. Power to forgive. Power to let go. Power to give it all away. In Jesus' name. Now I want you just to wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord as, as Big G sings. Your prayers. When you feel strength. 
When you feel strength come over your spirit, the spirit will, will be willing and the flesh will succumb to the spirit. When you feel the spiritual strength to forgive, I want you to name those people and forgive them. Say, I forgive you, Tracy. I forgive you, Barbara. I forgive you, Daryl. I forgive you, Terry. Name them and forgive them. And watch the glory of God flood your soul. Watch the power of God flood through you. Watch the mercy and grace of your loving Savior flow over you like a river. Come on. Worship team, you sing. Y'all wait. Wait on the Lord. Be that wait upon the Lord. He shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. Sometimes you gotta outweigh your outweight your will. 
I've had to do that before. I got a hard head, man. Sometimes I got to outweigh it. And as God has given you the strength to forgive, you know how I know you forgave somebody? When you tell everybody that you got power to forgive and you forgave someone who did you wrong and you don't try to paint them as evil. Your friends at work, they can't wait to hear about what God has done in the ankle of Patrick. They can't wait. They're going to be tripping when you tell them that. But you know what's also going to have them tripping? When you go up to somebody at work or at school and you say, you know what, bro? I was raped. And last night, I forgave him. It's the hardest thing I ever did. You know what? I was ripped off. I had a, a contract and they broke it and they ripped me off for $10,000. Last night, man, I'm going to be honest. I didn't want to forgive him. Man, God gave me the strength. I forgave him. Your friend's going to go, no, man, you're crazy. Man, I wouldn't forgive nobody. And say, I didn't want to either. I still don't want to. But I do things all day long I don't want to do. Jesus loves me. And you look at him and you say, I could pray for you right now. And God can change your life like he did mine. And you know what that is? World domination. That's it. What is what happens after an awakening? You look at where you were laying. Are you one of them sweaty sleepers? You got a sweat spot in the bed? Maybe you're a smelly person. You wake up in the morning and your breath stank. I can tell you that when I wake up, nothing good happens if I stay there. I got to get out. I got to go. My pastor said, forgiveness is setting a prisoner free. And then realizing the prisoner was you. We just got set free. What are you going to do with your freedom? Can I get some advice? Turn the lights on. Can I give you some advice from Alan Griffin? Please do not get on the phone and call people and tell them you forgive them. People that don't care if you say I forgive you. Now, there's people that if you said it, they'd be so excited. But how many of y'all know, you know when it's people that don't even think they even hurt you? Don't remind them of the mistakes they made. If you're going to call them, call them and tell them you love them. Okay? Forgiveness is here. Okay, the people that do me wrong, I don't walk up to them and go, yeah, man. Last night, after 15 grueling years, I forgave your punk butt. No, man. Chances are, she don't remember doing it. No, what you do is you walk up to her and go, I don't know what it is, but man, I just love you. And they go, I just love you. You know what God's doing for me? God forgave me for being unforgiving. And I'm free. 
I just love you. They were like, what did I do? Nothing. I just love you. That's the truth, isn't it? Yeah. Being honest doesn't help anybody. Telling the truth sets people free. Stop being honest. Truth, honestly. I was still mad. Forget all that. Don't be real. We don't need you to be real. We need you to tell the truth. The truth is Jesus Christ. When you tell people about him, the world's changed. Talk about him. Amen. Amen. If you need to wait on some strength, don't you leave this room. Don't you leave this room. Don't feel like Alan Griffin's running you. I am not. Because there's been times I'd have laid my butt up under a chair and cry until I got my strength. Sometimes I had to get on my knees and anoint myself with some oil and ask God to give me strength. When my, when my, my friends were telling me to call lawyers, I had to get on my face and fast and, 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 and anoint myself and ask for strength. And I learned something. My greatest defender is not a public defender. My greatest defender is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I need Him. I need Him. Amen. Amen. Pastor's going to come. And you need to love people tonight. You need to love people. Don't let the first person you walk up to be the person who offended you. You offended me. I love you. I know you forgive when you don't bring it up anymore. It comes to your mind, but you forgive every time. 490. By the time you get to 480, I can promise you, you won't think about it the same way. Amen. And please don't hold it on to your husband. You know he didn't buy your Valentine's gift yet. Don't be getting all mad. Forgive him. Amen. I lied to you. I told you we'd be done at 9.15. It's 9.22. Please forgive me. If you don't, you're going to hell. If you need to wait on the Lord for strength, the worship team is going to continue. I'm going to hang out. We're going to continue praying. We're not going anywhere. If you need to, need to go, go out. If you need to leave, go outside, buy everything off my table, and go home. If you can stick around and pray and wait on God and love on God, stick around. Let's celebrate Jesus for a little while. It's okay, y'all. It's okay. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and give you peace. May you be blessed when you get up and when you lay down. In your labor and in your leisure. In the city and in the country. Everywhere you go, may the blessings of God pursue you and overtake you. In Jesus' name, amen.